more will join us. What a great morning. Who was um, away with the thunder last night? Who likes thunder? I'm, I'm not a fan, I've got to be honest. Ian is. Ian is. Everything's a bit wet this morning. Did anyone have to wear swimming costumes to come in, children? Did any of you have to wear your swimming kit to get to church? We had cuddles in the big bed. Brilliant. Obviously, that was Sue and the children, not... Anyway, let's <laughs> So, I, uh, I'm privileged to welcome you here. I'm Cherry, and we're going to worship together this morning. So, if you're able to stand, that would be great. Um, as you can see, um, the, the band are having some time away. There's people that are having... Um, that go camping and concerts and things, so we bless them as they have a rest. But I need you to raise your voices this morning, um, and let's worship the King of Kings together. Okay, please stand.
good morning everybody and uh, welcome to Hope Church. It's great to see you here today on a, hum- on a very warm and humid Sunday. Um, our thoughts are with the Wallaces this morning because they are under canvas this weekend. So I'm um, not sure how they would have got on that last night, but hopefully the storm didn't get to where they are. But, um, wow. Okay, why don't I turn around, shake somebody's hand. If that's somebody you don't know, why don't you say, hi, my name is, and uh, let's just introduce and welcome one another. celebrating birthdays and we had cake last week and lo and behold we've got cake again this week so uh, it's worth coming for the cake isn't it nothing else you can say the preaching was rubbish but the cake was great you know and uh, it was worth coming just for that so there is cake being served afterwards because Christy is celebrating not a big birthday okay so we sing to big birthdays she's not celebrating a big birthday but she's celebrating her birthday today so many happy returns and uh, I've I've seen the birthday cake and it does look wonderful and great so we'll be celebrating sharing with that with you today so congratulations I think I might have seen some other cake being cut up as well um, in the, so I think, I think it's cake all round. So uh, I trust that you're not thinking of losing any pounds coming to Hope today, um, because uh, it's going to go in the, in, in the opposite direction to that, I think. Great. Well, lovely to see you and welcome. Now, if you're new to us or you've not been around long and you've not yet filled in one of our Connect cards, uh, this is just a really useful thing to do because it puts your details onto the church database and that then means that you get updates around the life of the church community here so it's a really good way of staying in touch with us of us being able to contact you but obviously we need your details to be able to do that so if you've not yet filled one in and you would like to then they're on there at the hello point there in the foyer just take one of those pop your details on pop it into the little box and we'll put your information onto our database you can then download the church suite app when you get the email from us 
which means that then you can keep your details up to date and you can also put a lovely picture of yourself onto the church app so that when we're talking about somebody, we say, um, this is such and such a person, and that's them there, Luke. You can see the picture of them. And it's a good way, again, of us uh, knowing who everybody is and welcoming and introducing you to other folk as well. So just a really good way of staying in touch with what's happening around the life of the church community here. Uh, just a couple of pieces of other information, just to say that the men's breakfast is this coming Saturday. So if you've not yet booked in, guys, okay, men's breakfast on Saturday, you can put your phone there and go to the link, or you can just go to hopenots.org forward slash men, and that will allow you to book in for the men's breakfast on Saturday. And we're pleased that Femi is starting to take a lead for us uh, with some of the men's stuff on the Saturday morning. So thanks for that, Femi, and look forward to a great time on Saturday. Um, as we get to that, which is great, good. We'll bring our offering as well, just as I've given a few updates this morning. So again, a good way of giving into the community of the church here. Um, some of you may not be aware, but obviously the, the life of the church and the whole of the centre here is supported by our own church charity. So we don't get any funds that come to us from anywhere else. It's not as if you know, we're part of a big organisation that sort of backrolls us and sends money our way. So everything that we do in the life of the church here in the community is done either by the giving that comes from you good people or any grants that we might apply for and be successful in receiving or some monies that we get because of the charity shops that we run. So we're very much self-supporting and self-contained in that way. And so you're giving into the life of the community of the church here. If you feel that you're a part of us, then we do really value and appreciate that. So if this is your spiritual home, then this is the place to bring your gifts and your offerings and that basket's going around now. Lots of you give via uh, the bank, you know, do that online, which is great. That's the way that we do it ourselves, which is also a very useful way of giving you money into the life of this church community. But if you're not sure whether this is your place or you're just here a visitor, then please don't feel any obligation to give uh, this morning. Good. Um, just a couple of other things that we're just looking at changing just over the summer period whilst we move sort of um, towards the back end of July through August and then into September um, is that um, in terms of Women of Hope, so the last Women of Hope session for the summer will be Thursday the 20th of July, then that will go on pause then through the summer. So last Women of Hope, Women of Hope is Thursday the 20th of July. Uh, we've made a decision that we're going to continue with the prayer gatherings uh, through the summer, but we are looking at the potential of maybe changing the date of that or the day of that from Wednesday to Thursday. So I'm just going to check with a few people that that's going to work for those who come regularly um, to change it to the Thursday. The reason that we're doing that is that um, as, as I and we start to sort of get into the new phase of, of Noah's recovery, I'm looking at how I can integrate back into church here in terms of physical presence. And so I'm trying to get here on a Tuesday and I would like to try and get here on a Thursday as well. So um, if we made the prayer on Thursday, it would mean that I could facilitate and be available for that. So, so we're just thinking of doing that certainly over this summer period. So I'll be chatting to some of you that are regulars on Wednesday to see if that works for you um, or not. So last women of hope, Thursday 20th of July, thinking of changing the prayer gathering from Wednesday to Thursday, still running at the same time, 11 till 12, but not made that decision final yet without just chatting that through with people who are regular to that particular uh, gathering. 
Good. I think that's all the notices that I wanted to give. But I do just want to talk to us this morning, just briefly, to us as a church family. Um, and, you know, just reminding us again about the way that church community works and functions and, and operates. Um, and, you know, when Paul was talking about the body of Christ, he sort of illustrated it. By the way, you know, somebody could be a hand, somebody can be a foot, somebody can be an ear. And we all bring our different gifts, we all have different expertise, we all have different ways that we can contribute. But certainly church community works at its best when everybody is bringing their, their contribution. And it, it's my opinion um, that if, if we're part of church, two things principally should happen. Um, you should come here to be blessed, okay? Um, because what's the point otherwise, you know? <laughs> if, if you're not going to come here and be happy, if you're not going to come here and be blessed, if you're not going to come here and then go away thinking that that was worth my time and effort, then what's the point of coming? You might as well stay at home on a Sunday morning and, uh, you know, uh, have a coffee and watch the telly or something like that. There's no value to it. So you, you must be part of a church community where you feel, I, I'm blessed to go there and it, and it does me good to be there. Um, otherwise, you know, you might as well just stay at home or go to a different church. So, so if you're coming here and, and you're being blessed, then that to me is always a sign that you're in the right place. Okay, you're doing the right thing, you're in the right place because you've been blessed, you've been encouraged um, and, and that's a really positive thing. But there is a flip side, I think, to that coin because if we are being blessed, we should also then, out of a heart of servanthood, be a blessing. So we receive and we give, we receive and we give and it's that twofold process. And, and I just want to throw out the encouragement to us all this morning that if this is your church community, and we've got lots of us away because we're getting into summer now, but if this is your church community and you come here to be blessed, then can I say, if you're not yet serving in some capacity, giving in some way, can you also consider being a blessing? And the way that you can be a blessing is to offer to serve on a Sunday on the rotors here, that will be a great way. If you can do that, just have a quick word with me and we can integrate you into serving on a Sunday in a way that's, that works for you. Um, you could look at sort of supporting us in the context of what's happening in the week. Now, some people have more availability in terms of time in the week than others, but maybe you could volunteer to support and work with our food bank. Maybe you could volunteer and support a few hours in our cafe. Maybe there's the possibility that you could support some of the children's or youth work around the place here that happens. There are lots of different ways in which you can serve. We run four charity shops, which you may not be aware of, but we run four charity shops around the community here. And we're always looking for people who maybe could volunteer a few hours to help and support in that context and in that way as well. So if this is your church community and you are blessed to be here, but you're not yet being a blessing by serving in some way, can I ask you to sort of prayerfully think about that, consider that, and if that's something you can respond to, come and have a quick word with me, and we can look at the best way we can get you integrated into the life of the community of the church here. Is that good? Okay, take that away, have a think about that, and let me know if you want to be one of those people. And lots of you, lots of you are already serving, of course, and we're really, really grateful for that. But as we grow and as new people join us, it's good just to keep putting that challenge out there and reminding us that the way the community works is when we all give and support and make it happen. So we thank the Lord for that. Great, let's read a psalm together, and uh, or let me read a psalm to you, should I say, um, and then we're going to pray. This is Psalm 25. 
Oh, we've got it on the screen. We should read it together. Yeah, let's read it out loud together. This is great. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Saviour, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, you great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble, his right, and teaches them his ways. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord, is in you. I want to talk to us this morning from a few verses in Mark's Gospel. And I just want to take a few minutes before I talk to you from those verses to explain why I've got to that place of talking to you from these verses in Mark's Gospel. Um, and I want to talk, first of all, to anybody who may be feeling um, overwhelmed. Um, because I think it is possible, inevitable at times, that, that we get to a place in life where, where we feel overwhelmed, as if things are, are either out of control or caving in on us. Um, and it, it can be quite a scary and, and difficult place to be. Um, certainly that was my experience several months ago. And one of the things I notice about being overwhelmed is that it has the ability to rob you of your energy. And when you're robbed of your energy, you feel like doing nothing. In fact, when you're robbed of your energy, you almost can do nothing. And that's a very difficult place to be, particularly if you are by nature quite an energetic, reasonably optimistic, forward-looking individual, when things go a bit pear-shaped and difficult and you feel overwhelmed and your energy goes, 
it can be difficult to do even the most basic things. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can feel it when I'm feeling a bit low or a bit overwhelmed. I can even find it difficult to return a phone call or to respond to a text or an email. It just feels like, oh, it's just, just one thing too much to do, you know. I've done well today. I've got out of bed, you know. I've fed the kids and, uh, you know, I'm doing really well. But, but, but responding to that phone call or answering that email, oh, I just don't know whether I've got the energy to do that. And, and, and equally, that can spiral into all sorts of different areas of life. Like, oh, it just feels too much to do the gardening. I know the hedge needs cutting, and I must cut the edge, but it's just going to have to wait for another week. I just can't. And, it, and it's a horrible place to be. And it, it can apply to all sorts of different things, you know. The things that you, you, you ordinarily would like to do for pleasure, like maybe painting or reading or... I just can't be bothered to pick that book. It's just too much to do, you know. I just... and, and then it can spiral into our, our, our devotional life. You know, you look at the Bible and think, oh, I just don't know whether I can pick the Bible up today. It just feels like one thing. I just, uh, you know, I just not got the energy to do it. And I don't know whether, I mean, maybe, you know, you, you don't ever get into that place or you've not been in that place for a long time. And, and I want to rejoice with you this morning and say, please stay there, because that's a great place to stay and a great place to be. But, but if you do go through those times in life, and maybe that's the time of life that you're in at the moment, I, I just want to talk to you for a little bit about how I got to talking to you this morning from Matthew chapter 16. Because this is how I got there. I, I got to the place of thinking, you know what, I just need to do something little. Because sometimes when things feel overwhelming, it's like when you lose your appetite and somebody presents you with a big meal, you think, oh, I just don't know whether I can face that. It's just, you know, it's just too much. Just give me a little bit of something on a plate and I can, I can manage that. Sometimes when you lose your appetite for whatever reason, you have to be careful the way that you get that appetite back. And so you've got to nurture it and you've got to tend it and you've got to look after it. And so I found myself thinking, oh, you know, I don't know whether I can get into that or but I need to do something. And so I'm just going to read a chapter out of Mark's gospel. I'm not going to do anything more than that. And I'm just going to read it slowly. And I'm going to say to Jesus, if you want to speak to me through it, I'm here to listen to you. And if you don't, then that's okay. But I'm going to read the chapter. And so I read the chapter. I didn't read two chapters, I just read one chapter. And I thought, tomorrow, I'm going to read another chapter. And the day after that, I thought, I'm going to read another chapter. That's all I'm going to do. I've not got the energy to do anything else, but I'm going to read that chapter. And I'm going to say to Jesus, Jesus, if you want to speak to me through that chapter, I want to listen to you. Will you please speak to me? Because I was feeling overwhelmed. And I've not got the energy. And so I just wanted to do something little. And so that's what I did. And God, being faithful as he is highlighted different little things out of different chapters, not all of them, as I just committed myself to reading this chapter each day. And over time, I'll probably speak to you about some of those different things. But today, I want to speak to you from chapter 16 because I felt the Lord spoke to me from there as well. So if you're in that place of feeling, you know what, life feels overwhelming in all sorts of different ways. It might be to do with Enoch was praying, the state of the world. Gosh, when you look at what's happening, 
it can feel overwhelming. Um, and we're really the first generation that's had to feel overwhelmed by what's happening around the entirety of the world, aren't we? Because, you know, a hundred years ago, we wouldn't have known what was happening in Africa or China or Japan or Ukraine. We just wouldn't have known these things because the information wouldn't have been available to us. But, but now it's like in your face all of the time and it can leave you feeling overwhelmed. And I would say you just have to be careful the amount of information that you choose to take in because an overwhelmed person is of no value to anybody. So you must tend to your own heart, look after your own mind, consider your own well-being so that you can stay in that place. You know, like if you have the privilege of flying on an aeroplane, you know the talk that uh, they, they, the stewards give before. You know, if the, if the oxygen mask falls down, please make sure you put the oxygen mask on yourself before tending to anybody else. Why? Because if you try to tend to somebody else while you've got no, any oxygen to breathe, you're not going to last very long at all. You've got to tend to yourself. So if you're in that place of feeling overwhelmed, how can you tend to yourself? Well, for me, it was, let me read that chapter. And then I'm going to read the next chapter. And I'm going to allow energy to come back to me. And it may take time. And it may be slow. But that's okay. But I'm going to make this decision. I'm not going to make that decision. I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to take this step. And as you take that step, if you take it in faith and trust, God is with you and he will bring his energy to you. It's not as if you've got to go and fight after it. Let it come to you. Let Jesus come to you. And so that's what I was doing and that's what led me to this place and that's why I want to talk about these things. So... Um, I wrote this as a little blog as well, what I'm talking about this morning. I said, for anyone who's felt overlooked or rejected, my recent slow reading of Mark's gospel offers hope. I say slow reading of Mark because I'd not really got the energy for a quick read, nor an extended one, more a chapter a day whilst allowing the passage to reveal whatever insight might be helpful, of which there are several, like this one in chapter 16. So let's read these verses from chapter 16. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. The resurrection is the defining event within human history because it was the time when Jesus Christ, who was dead, came back to life, and that changed everything. The whole of the cosmos has been re-engineered because of the resurrection of Jesus, and it has opened the gateway to us for new creation and because of new creation, we have new hope, and Jesus gives us new life. This event matters. But I don't want to talk to you about this event this morning. I want to talk to you about this little line where it says, but go, tell his disciples and Peter. And I want you to think about why 
the man in white, the man dressed in white, who's in the tomb, says, now go and tell his disciples and Peter. Why is Peter mentioned by name and the other disciples are just referred to as disciples? It's important to think about this. Because when you read through the scriptures, what you discover is that the nuance and the detail matters. Because it's saying something to us that the writer of the gospel wants us to know. He wants us to know that Peter has not been forgotten. And there's a reason why Peter may feel he has been forgotten and God wants, to know, wants him to know that he hasn't. You see, Peter is a notable character in the Gospels. He's forthright. He's assertive. Some may say he's presumptuous even. He's the leader of the group. If anybody is going to speak out in a situation, it's going to be Peter. He may not always get it right, and there are times clearly where he gets it wrong, but he's not going to hold back. Peter's voice is going to be heard. That's the type of character that he is. So he sets himself apart as quite a notable person when you read through the Gospels. On one occasion, when Jesus questioned his disciples as to whether they might desert him along with the rest of the crowd, Peter's response is this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. It's Peter who says that. The other disciples are there. They have the opportunity to speak out as well, but they don't. They remain silent, but Peter speaks out. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You start to see something of the character and, should we say, the strength of this particular individual. He seems to be driven by his own convictions. Later, when it came to answering the question, who do people say that I am, Peter is not backward at coming forward. In Matthew 16, we read, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say that I am? And it's Simon Peter who answers and says, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of the living God. All the disciples are there, but it's Peter who speaks out and gives the answer. You've got to say that Peter's doing well. His ability to receive revelation, to put himself forward as a spokesperson, and his willingness to step out of the boat, literally, of course, you remember that story, where Jesus calls Peter and he literally steps out of the boat. The other disciple, but it's Peter who does the stepping out. We know that he sinks a little bit, but he is the one who steps out of the boat I think it shows somebody who's courageous, 
somebody who's determined, somebody who's wanting to go all of the way. There's much to be admired in Peter's life. You see, ever since Jesus called him from fishing on the Sea of Galilee, Peter's not really looked back. His strength is on show for all to see. And it's at this point of courage where sometimes we can draw comparisons. How would you have done in that situation? Down there in Caesarea Philippi, would you have spoken out? How would you have done when everybody is deserting Jesus and the disciples are around and it's feeling a little bit intimidating? How would you or I have done in that situation? Would we have spoken up, Lord, where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Or would we have stayed quiet? There's a lot to be admired. And in some ways, there's much to be intimidated by Peter's life. Because we might say, I could never be that. I could never lead in that way. I could never be as strong as he was. And sometimes the problem of just seeing somebody's strength is it allows us to feel more like a failure. Because comparison is a terrible thing in life. We're always making them. And when we compare ourselves with, pe with people who we think are better, bigger, bolder, more courageous than we are, we can sometimes feel intimidated by those characters. And so if the only picture that we'd had of Peter in the Gospels is one of courage on display, boldness on show, assertiveness in shed loads, then we may be thinking, whoa, there's no way on God's earth I could ever, ever be like that. And it can cause us to shrink back. But the beauty of the Gospels, and indeed the Scriptures, is that it shows us people, strengths and warts and all. It shows us their good side and their bad side. It shows us their strengths and it shows us their weaknesses. And so my reading of Mark's Gospel and what we've just read together, we see this man dressed in white, this angel, this person, and he's giving a message for Peter. And it's laden with meaning. When the women at the tomb are told to go and tell the disciples of Jesus, the risen one, there's one name that's specifically mentioned amongst them, and that's the name of Peter. You see, between Peter shouting out, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Between Peter speaking up above the, the disciples saying, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Aside of Peter being the one who stepped out of the boat, showing that he was courageous and that he is willing, we now have a scared Peter, a frightened Peter, a dejected Peter we now have a rejected Peter because something's happened in Peter's life. And it's that something that's happened in Peter's life that God wants to draw close to Peter in these comments and say, go and tell the disciples that Jesus the Nazarene is alive and Peter. Because God is not prepared to leave Peter in a place of rejection or failure or despondence. He's reaching out to him. But how has Peter got into this state? Something's happened in the story that's caused him 
to be named. Somewhere along the line, a trauma so significant, so scary, so soul-destroying, that Peter is in danger of becoming lost to his own shame. And this can be true for all of us. Most of us know this part of Peter's story. He's denied Jesus in an act of betrayal. But the problem for Peter is that he thought he could never do that. Peter thought and assumed that he was stronger than what he was. And there's always a danger in life of thinking you are stronger than you actually are. We need to be as aware of our weaknesses as we are our strengths. And we need to be prepared to bring to God both our strengths and our weaknesses. But Peter wasn't doing that. Because he could only see his strength. He assumed, possibly on good grounds, he assumed that even if everybody else denied Christ, he wouldn't deny him. He was not aware of that side of his own weakness. The truth is that sometimes we can only become aware of our own weakness when we're put in a position that that weakness is tested. Because otherwise we may assume that it's strength. And only when we're put to the test do we realize how weak we can sometimes be. And it's when we are in a moment of weakness or feeling overwhelmed or feeling vulnerable that our energy is taken from us. And that's what's happened to Peter. His energy has gone. His convictions, they've melted away. He's now not living from a place of strength. He's living from a place of fear. Let's read something of the story. Matthew 26. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. That's how strong he thought he was. There's no other answer as to why he would say that. He thought that he would go all the way. That there would be nothing, nothing, nothing that would cause him to deny Christ. Peter saw himself as stronger than he was. And he wasn't comfortable with his own weakness. Who is? His lack of self-awareness deceived him, leading him to believe that he could achieve where others would fail. Now, you have to say that Peter's attitude of bravado is very appealing. We're taught from childhood, aren't we, of the need to be strong and Peter's earlier rejection by the other rabbis not to choose him to be one of their disciples left him making a living fishing down by the Sea of Galilee because he wasn't one of the chosen ones. It also left him having much to prove. 
And so this is Peter out on a limb saying to Jesus, I will never leave you or deny you. He has something to prove in himself. He has to prove that he is worthy of Jesus. He is worthy of being his follower. He is worthy of going the whole way. And he's unaware of his own weakness. What's admirable in Peter's life, I think, is his conviction. On the one hand, he believes he's strong enough. But on the other hand, he takes no time to reflect on the side of himself which can faint with fear when life slips out of his control. I think a wise person is a person who can recognize their strengths, but also be honest about their weaknesses. And can bring both of these things in equal measure to the Christ who can carry us, rather than we who think we can carry the Christ. Because we can't carry the Christ. This is what this story shows. Peter thought he could. He thought he could carry the Christ all the way to the cross and be with him, but he couldn't. He was too weak for that. It is the Christ who comes to carry us, not we who come to carry the Christ. And so Peter is caught up in all of this emotion and in all of this difficult situation. In chapter 26, again from Matthew's Gospel, we read, Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. And after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely... You are one of them. Your accent gives you away. There's always something that gives you away, isn't there? Then he began to call down curses. How has he got to this place? He's now calling down curses on himself. And he swore to them, I don't know the man. And immediately, immediately, a rooster crowed. The rooster always crows, doesn't it, at the moment of our vulnerability and our weakness. When we've spoken out of turn and we regret the words that have come out of our mouth, the rooster crows. When we've been or done or said something that we immediately regret being, doing, saying, the rooster crows. It's when we feel at our worst. It's when our strength has ebbed away. And it's at that point we realize just how weak we are. And that's why the Christ comes to hold us, rather than us holding the Christ. Jesus has told him how he'll disown him, how three times he will slip further and further and deeper away. This side of Peter that he wishes to deny exists, and the reality of his own weakness is compounded by each act of betrayal. And then the rooster crows. And we get to what, in my opinion, 
is one of the saddest verses in the whole of the Bible. It says in verse 75 of chapter 26, then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. It's a tragic, tragic statement. You see, Peter is not simply weeping. He's not simply crying. He's weeping bitterly. This moment of weakness in Peter's life goes to the very core of who he is as a person, and that act of betrayal to his Christ crushes him. It crushes him. And he goes outside and he weeps bitterly. And that's where we leave him. A man who has done what he said he would never do. And he leaves weeping bitterly. I imagine we've all had moments when the rooster has crowed. And the reality of some part of life has given out under pressure. It renders us impotent in the face of fear. It's a dark and difficult place, and the Gospels leave us in little doubt as to Peter's emotional state. He didn't just weep, but he wept bitterly. It tells you everything that you need to know about his state of mind at this point, and throws real light onto why Peter is named by the man dressed in white in the Gospel reading of Mark. You see, if anybody... If anybody at that moment of history in that part of the world needed to know that he was remembered and not rejected, it was Peter. He needed to have his name mentioned. You see, there are some times in life when being part of the crowd is just not quite good enough. Being part of the community doesn't quite do it for you. There are some times in life when you need to know that your name has been mentioned and that you've not been forgotten. Peter was crushed. He thought that there would be no way back for him. And yet when the Christ was risen, the angel says, go tell the disciples and Peter. And that's why his name is there. Because the last time we met him, he was a crushed, rejected, dejected man weeping bitterly. And now God is making sure that he is remembered, that he is restored, and that he is renewed. And that's why he mentions him by name. Which leads me to conclude that God wants to speak to us all in that personal way. We need something deeply reassuring to raise us sometimes from our bitter weeping. Peter's failure hangs heavy in his soul and somehow he needs to come to terms with his weakness as well as his strength if he's ever to be truly whole. And the same is true for you and for me. When we come to God this morning, as we will finally in this final song of worship, 
I want you to remember that God calls you by name, that he remembers you, and that he restores you, and that he's here for you, and he draws you back to himself. Peter's not left weeping bitterly. He's left restored. And the story goes on, and we've not got time to look fully at the, that level of restoration that comes in John's gospel. The idea of naming someone goes to the heart of the Christian story. It reminds each of us that we've not been forgotten, that we've not been overlooked. No one here this morning is invisible before God. As it says in the Old Testament in Isaiah 49, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. This story of Peter is a story of being remembered. It's a story of being restored. It's a story of being renewed. It's Peter's story, but this morning, it's our story as well, because God comes to call us, each of us, by our names. Let's stand together, should we? Let's just draw close to God this morning in our worship. And as we conclude, let's abandon ourselves to God's grace and his mercy as he restores and brings his truth and goodness into our lives afresh. Thanks.